Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Ian Prendercast, although it's not another sports podcast on this occasion, it's actually going to be a bite-sized sort of entertainment review, entertainment chat, uh, hosted by me, Sean Peterbudge, and um, it's just a one-hander on this occasion, just as a bit of a trial run to see how it goes and how it's received, if it's received or if it's enjoyed. Um, Essentially, the the thinking behind it is, uh, I quite like talking about this stuff, and um, takes up a fair bit of time at the start or the end of each pod that uh, gets us distracted and puts us well and truly behind the eight ball and ends up making the episode run for about 90-odd minutes, which is far too long. So um, if, if there's something to talk about or something to review or indulge in um, that can be done in this format in a smaller or shorter format, um, we'll probably just do those as, as one-handers or, or maybe with special guests or the like uh, and release them when there's, there's stuff to talk about. But um, for this first one, I'm going to uh, have a quick chat about a quick review of uh, Detective Pikachu, which is in cinemas now, as well as a little bit of odds and ends wrap-up from news uh, around the entertainment circles or things that have caught my eye in the last week. Uh, it's a bit of a passion of mine, so like I said, if we take it off pod and, and do it in its own format, um, uh, it probably just flows a little bit better um, in, in both uh, spheres. So uh, with Detective Pikachu uh, out today uh, on Thursday, uh, directed by Rob Letterman um, behind Goosebumps and Gulliver's Travel, so two sort of similar live-action hybrids, um, but he originally cut his teeth doing animated fare, which you sort of get this sense with, with a film like this, why that's important, having done uh, Shark Tale and Monsters vs. Aliens. Stars uh, Ryan Reynolds, of course, we all know him, he's the voice of Pikachu. Justice Smith, who was last seen and most prominently seen so far early on in his career in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, Catherine Newton, who was in uh, Blockers, and Bill Nye, who's in just about everything. Um, basically, the context, as we all know, Pokemon, pretty straightforward. Uh, first conceived by a budding game developer um, in 1989. Uh, it first got notoriety come 1996 uh, when it launched on the Game Boy, uh, and then one obviously went on to become a multinational multimedia conglomerate. Uh, <laughs> interestingly, I knew it was a very, very big deal, but um, it's actually the highest-grossing media franchise in history. In history. Forget Star Wars, Mickey Mouse, Harry Potter, Hello Kitty, the MCU, Barbie, Batman. Pokemon's got them all covered. It's made an estimated $90 billion in uh, accumulated revenue from... Licensed memorabilia, merchandise, video games, trading cards, feature and short form animation, comics, prints, etc. Yeah, I knew it was big, but uh, well, not billion. It's genuinely got everything covered. Um, look, I, I sort of never really got into it when it when it first debuted back on the Game Boy. Um, obviously, had the TV show as well, and, and some um, the trading cards followed. TV, uh, sorry, feature length animated films followed after that, and it never really captured me. It was obviously an enormous deal at the time, um, sort of went off the radar a little bit um, for what felt like a long time, and uh, before 2016, with the launch of the augmented reality game uh, Pokemon Go, and that really led to a renaissance of sorts, and it sort of gets us to where we are today on the back of, you know, people walking themselves into traffic and loitering in public places all night. They figured this is the opportunity to, to really get it back on the big screen, and when you think that's the better part of three years ago, um, it's taken an extraordinarily long time from something that was a surprise smash hit to this opportunity now for them to obviously consolidate that and make a lot of money. There's actually a funny story. I remember, I remember seeing um, when Pokemon Go was sort of at the height of its popularity, and I'm sure we're all familiar with it, but you know people are walking around the streets and whatnot. Um, what they tried to do was set up Pokemon Gyms, which is where you kind of train and upskill your Pokemons and the like, in you know very like a library or a church or you know um, locations like that and one guy very very early on um, 
actually rang the police. I think I don't know where he was. He was in Britain, maybe, because uh, he reported there was a whole bunch of people just loitering out the front of his house, and he wasn't sure what they were doing. A whole bunch of young people, and it turns out that he actually lived in an old church which hadn't been updated on Google Maps or whatever the developers used to, you know, geographically tag locations that weren't going to be residences or businesses, um, particularly at that time of night. And, uh, yeah, so this guy just had all these kids loitering out the front of his house because it had been flagged as a Pokemon gym. Um, and that went on for quite some time, and he was, he was a bit uh, disconcerted about it. But I just quite like the image of him staring outside, wondering why there's 25 kids standing there looking at their phones. Um, the film itself, look, it's it's really good. It's uh, perhaps really, really good. Like, I was really pleasantly surprised, actually. I had some expectations for it off the trailers that... Look like a bit of fun, and, and that's exactly what it is. Um, the plot itself, it's a, bella, a relatively straightforward mystery yarn. Um, Justice Smith's lead protagonist, uh, Tim Goodman, on the trail of his father. He's a detective who has disappeared uh, following a genetically created and enhanced Pokemon's escape from a lab. Uh, naturally, we're told that uh, he was onto something, he's trailing something, he's broken a break it open, and uh, right then and there you can obviously smell that something's afoot. Um, news of his father's reported death uh, reaches Tim, which leads him to Rhyme City, which is sort of the big metropolis um, in this Pokemon world, where humans and Pokemon coexist, and and sequences in this in this little bit of the film will, um, and from here on in actually, will delight fans. Countless creatures are integrated into everyday life. Um, you know, it'll be like bird watching. You know, for a real Pokemon enthusiasts, they'll be able to spot different creatures. And the cinema that I was in was. Um, pretty sparse in terms of occupy um, uh, in terms of the the capacity but um, plenty of oohs and ahs and, and people recognizing um, different breeds you know water-based Pokemon there's bits where you know, they're assisting the fire department uh, Snorlax is um, asleep in the busy uh, intersection leading another Pokemon to act as a traffic warden um, shortly after some brief exposition tells us that our lead is a little bit resentful of Pokemon, and the law of the land tells us that most, if not all, humans have a Pokemon partner, as in the video game. Um, and with the title of the movie ringing in our ears, you sort of figure that Tim and Pikachu will team up in the spirit of all great old couples to crack the case. Uh, Ryan Reynolds enters at this point in time, and look, he's Ryan Reynolds. He's, he's really good, charismatic, um, has his shtick, a little bit watered down from Deadpool naturally, but very much the same. Uh, and the MacGuffin obviously comes into view here, uh, basically a vial of purple vapor known as R. Um, effectively, it just riles Pokemon up. Um, uh, but there's more to it than, I suppose, affecting the normally happy disposition of a Pokemon. Um, and uh, its true nature, where they're trying to uncover it, obviously leads the crew back to the lab um, that we glimpsed to the first scene of the film. Uh, from there, the mystery unravels and reveals, you know, who's behind it, what they stand to gain from it. Um, and we get to, you know, that, that sort of fleshes out over the last sort of hour or so of the film. Um, no great surprise, I suppose, if you've seen these detective films, you sort of know where it's going, and it is a film effectively aimed at kids, so, um, the plot won't necessarily surprise and delight, but, um, it's effective enough, uh, as far as mystery films go. Um, what I found watching, what I, what I really enjoyed, I think the best films of this nature establish uh, an internal logic that they abide by, and, and a key part of that is, you know, building the world and building the mythology, um, that act as the, the rules. You know, I immediately think of something like a Zoolander, which is, farcical by nature um, but the characters live within the rules of the world and that's what makes the film enjoyable to watch and what makes the film and the narrative ultimately a success uh, i think detective pikachu's strength is probably that it stays within the lines it plays to its audience um, it really cleverly doesn't overdo the pokemon early on 
and it doesn't oversaturate the film with Pokemon really until the climax. And even then, um, you know, they, their unique abilities are used really for sight gags and set pieces. Um, and it shows, in, in that way, it shows a lot of restraint to not overplay its hand. You don't, I suppose it's, um, it, it gives you enough at all times. You don't think, I, I need more, give me more than that. It's, it's really quite clever in that respect. Sort of overall, it's a really well-realized, well-made and, and good fun film from, from start to finish. Uh, there's really not a lot of fat on it. I think it only goes for 140-odd minutes. Um, and there's really only mere moments of overindulgence where you sort of think it's, it's a bit much. Maybe the finale, you sort of think that's... Yeah, it's, it's getting a bit CGA. It's getting a bit silly. But um, look, it's, it's a little bit of Ted. It's a little bit of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Funnily enough, it's a little bit of Memento as well, uh, which is a weird one. It'd be interesting to see if any of the makers or writers refer to that in any at any point because it's um certainly not as dark as memento but there are elements of the plot that you're sort of going yeah this is this is a bit chris nolan like um you know reynolds stars obviously his name's on the poster um but for mine i think justice smith you know the, the lead live action character does a magnificent job uh, performing the oftentimes really thankless task of the straight man he's the the guy that carries a lot of exposition um you know it has to be pretty deadpan, has to be pretty serious, and I think he does a really good job of it. Um, in terms of a score overall, I'm actually going to um, borrow a system that uh, Lee Patch and the boys used to use on, on SEN, if any of any of people listening to this uh, have listened to that. I thought it was a pretty pretty good one, and given we're ostensibly a sports podcast, um, they use footy, they use goals, uh, the top score being five goals, and obviously you can have a score from zero goals, zero points, through to five goals straight. Um it's a, it's a, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's certainly more hit than miss. Um, and for me, it probably gets a, a three goals five. So it gets a, like a pretty good mark. Uh, it's pretty good fun. Not not for everyone necessarily. If you love Pokemon, you'll, you'll get a real good kick out of it. And personally, when the, the credits start rolling, I sort of sat there and thought I'd, I'd happily go back um, for a second helping uh, if they were to make sequels. And, and given the $90, million, $90 billion the franchise has made to date, you'd, you'd bet it'll, it'll do pretty well, um, whether it does well enough to obviously uh, make more, we have to wait and see, but uh, if more are coming down the pike, uh, I'd, I'd be interested enough to see them. So uh, that's out now, go and have a look at it if you have, let me know what you think, um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, as for off odds and ends, obviously the big news uh, coming out of this week, uh, Avengers Endgame, as I spoke to Fab, he, he still doesn't see it, doesn't understand it, the series is cooked apparently, um, became just the, the fifth film to, to crack $2 billion worldwide, and then late last weekend uh, moved into second place outright uh, in terms of worldwide uh, grosses, so now only behind Avatar. Um, in terms of domestic uh, in America, it should rise into the top five by the end of this coming weekend. Um, it's just massive. I think I've got to, uh, a listener of ours actually tweeted me, it got to uh, $2 billion in 11 days. I think the, the previous best was 45 days uh, for a film to get to $2 billion, so absolutely massive. It's Absolute monster of a film, and um, where it goes next was actually glimpsed uh, midweek with the release of the full trailer, if you will, for uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, which is the first glimpse of the post-Endgame MCU. And what it did give us uh, was a really, I suppose, important beat um, that they're actually introducing the multiverse. So, if anyone's seen the Spider-Man stuff to date, um, Mysterio, they're painting him as the good guy, but surely he's the bad guy. He's Mysterio. Um, tells Peter that he's from a, a different dimension. Our dimension that we know and that we have enjoyed the MCU through is uh, Earth-616, which is obviously a nod to the uh, the comics. Uh, this particular Mysterio claims he's from Earth-833. Um, what that actually does, I suppose, 
tellingly is potentially offer them a way to introduce the newly acquired uh, Fox characters. So X-Men, Fantastic Four, and the slate of all you know ancillary characters from those properties that were licensed to Fox, which Disney now owned, Disney owned Marvel, that could potentially explain where those characters have been. It's not that they've not existed, they just haven't existed in our timeline. So that's an interesting way they could potentially um, introduce all of those characters without it being... Um, where have they been? Or they've just come? They, they exist from now. So uh, that, that's that's probably the, the big news from there. For me, what I loved about the trailer was uh, the setting up of Tom Holland. I, I put out a tweet, a series of tweets last week, odd, saying that I think that Tom Holland needs to be or should be positioned as the anchor for this next phase of, of Marvel um, narrative. Not just because he's Spider-Man, but I think what they've got is a really unique opportunity with his his character with his age and the age that the character is to basically build 10 years of story around him like they did Tony Stark, like they did Steve Rogers. And and what that allows us to do is grow with the character so that we've met the character at the age of 16 or 17. When he phases out in a moment of sacrifice, whatever it might be in 10 years time, when they've built up to the next end game, uh, he passes the torch. He becomes that, that sort of, he holds that mantle. So hopefully that's what they're going to do, whether it takes them 10 years. Hopefully they've got him locked down. They've got a deal done with Sony, who still own the Spider-Man rights, um, to make sure he's around for a very, very long time because um, he's he's the most important piece of the puzzle, I think, as far as I'm concerned, you know, narratively. Uh, and the other big news, of course, was um, Disney Disney uh, outlaid or laid out their slate, basically, for the next eight years. And you know, you've got Pixar films on there, you've got Disney live-action films on there, which we're seeing a lot of these days. Um, Avatar, obviously, uh, has been plugged in now that they own Fox. Um, but the biggest takeaway was three Star Wars films. So 2022, 2024, and 2026, in December of those years, uh, we'll see a new original Star Wars film, um, separate and distinct from what they call the, the saga, the franchise, the Skywalker saga, which wraps up this December. And... The takeaway from that was that prior to the release of Episode 8 in December of 2017, Ryan Johnson, the writer and director of Episode 8, was tapped to write a trilogy of films, perhaps direct one of them, and the showrunners of Game of Thrones, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, were tapped to write, produce, uh, not, not direct, but write and produce a trilogy of films. So with only three films on the slate... You know, people obviously speculate as to what's happened. Have the the projects been merged? Has one of them been shelved? Uh, what does this mean? I think a few of the, the different ideas have, have reportedly been ported over to Disney Plus, which will see the Mandalorian debut on their Netflix style streaming service later in the year. Obi Wan Kenobi might live there now. Um, the bounty hunter, whether it be Boba Fett thing, might be gone. You know, the, 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 as I said, the interesting thing here is whose trilogy is not on the slate anymore. Is it Johnson? He's been pretty divisive, obviously, since uh, since Episode Eight was released, and um, the reception of that film has, I think, led to this, this not a course correction, but led to this um, release sort of schedule uh, from Disney. So when you've got one of the biggest properties, biggest IPs in the world, not as big as Pokemon, I found out, what you're, what you're dealing with is that oversaturation, did they go too hard too fast? Did they take what was special about Star Wars, which was scarcity, and they sort of, well, they flipped that 180. 
and you're getting one every year. And then all of a sudden, Marvel, which was in the middle of an unbelievable cycle of release, you think The Force Awakens comes out in 2015, it's a massive hit, but then you start ramping up for absolutely brilliant, you know, Marvel ensembles that come with Civil War and then Infinity War and then Endgame. And you're sort of going, well, they're firing on all cylinders and they're delivering a property that is absolutely top-notch, top-to-bottom, really. And it just made Star Wars feel a bit small, which it had never been before. Even when, you know, Harry Potter existed and different, you know, Marvel characters existed, you know, before the, the MCU. It never felt that way, but um, it's a good problem for Disney to have, but they own both of them. So it's just an interesting situation that they're in now. Shelving, you know, Bob Iger, who's the um, the head honcho at Disney, had said that the films were going on a bit of, bit of a hiatus. Um but whose films? If I had my had to bet on it, I, I would suggest it's probably Ryan Johnson's. Um, haven't really heard anything about his films, uh, but for really half-hearted acknowledgement that they're still going ahead um, for quite a while now. So I get the feeling like the next we'll hear from them is either they're these three films or they're not happening at all. So that's where we sort of stand from an entertainment point of view. Um, we've just saved ourselves the better part of 20 minutes, which will please Fab and maybe some of the other listeners. But, yeah, if you've got any thoughts on, on any of that kind of stuff, um, any films that are coming out so- shortly, next week we might try to do John Wick. Um, get Let me know. Get in touch. We'll, we'll go from there. But thanks so much for listening. Um, don't forget to get in touch at the Ian underscore, what are they, what are they the Ian Prend underscore cast, and I'm obviously Sean Peterbudge. Uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye. I've dealt with this putz before, so I'll just do it again. Hey, bud, what are you doing? I can't do it when people are watching. Get me the hell out of here!